0: Welcome, 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 everyone. Shalom. Hope you're having an awesome, awesome evening or day if you're on the other side of the world. Tonight, we're going to get into some very, very important scriptures. We're going to be talking about the scripture, the moral code of the Torah, of the holy, holy scriptures. And so, yes, we're going to read from Le- Leviticus chapter 18, 19, 20, perhaps a little bit more, uh, depending on how the night goes. And uh, let me see here, we got on YouTube, we have 1 John two twenty six says, Shalom, Shalom, Going Nowhere says, let's go. Awesome. Good to see you guys. Talamento says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom. Shalom. Mark says, Shalom. Let's go. And Vinny says, Shalom. Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Vinny. Good to see you. Byron says, Shalom, my beautiful friends. Shalom, Byron. Vida says, Shalom. Shalom, Vida. Cat Cool says, Shalom. And Byron asked the question Does Gentile mean a believer in Christ who's not Jewish, or does it mean a non believer who's not Jewish? Well, that's a good question. It uh, depends on how you look at it. If you want to talk about Gentile according to the flesh or Gentile according to the Spirit, Gentile according to the Spirit would be those who are unbelievers. Doesn't matter whether you're a Jew. Or not, if you're an unbeliever, uh, you'd be a Gentile according to the Spirit. But a Gentile according to the flesh would be someone who's not Jewish. And it could be a believer as well. Very good question, Byron. Thomas, an, a Gentile is a non-believer. Uh, the scriptures say if you are if you're in Christ, you are accounted
1: as God's covenant with Abraham and part of the seed of Abraham. Yeah.
0: Depends on how you look at it. As uh, Sometimes we read in the, uh, in the epistles of Paul, he says, you know, according to the flesh, I'm like this. But according, you know, so yeah, depends on how you look at it.
1: Thomas says, Shalom, brother, Shalom. Good to see you.
0: yes thomas also says that uh, scripture also says in revelation that there are 12 gates which enter the kingdom and each of these gates have the names of the 12 tribes of israel i always like to bring that up that's in revelation chapter 21 i always like to bring that up when people say well the book of james is only for the 12 tribes it's not for gentiles i said well the final destination the heavenly city is only for the 12 tribes. So I guess if you're if the book of James is not for you because it's for the 12 tribes then so is the final destination of the heavenly city. So, yeah, if you're a believer,
1: you are grafted in. <laughs> byron says i had an odd
0: dream last night the government was trying to force me to take something and then they called me a gentile i was trying to run away from them in my dream i was willing to lay down my life if i was if i was caught but at the same time trying to run the government called me a gentile then i woke up that's very interesting hp good to see you I'm confused. What tribe does a non-Jew belong to and which gate do they enter? That's not, that's a very good question. Um, and that's a question that a lot of people would ask. Um, yeah. So if you are, according to the flesh, if you are a Gentile, if you're not part of the Jewish stock, according to the flesh, um, but you're a believer, you are grafted into the, to the, uh, as you know, to the children of Israel, you are, you are counted in to the, uh, uh, counted in the family, so to speak, counted in the, uh, the family of Israel. Um, now this is just speculation because you know, the scriptures do not give us the answer. The scriptures do not give us the complete answer. Um, one could argue, okay. And this is, this would be a good argument. If you are a believer in yeshua if you're a believer in jesus i mean you are one with him right you are one with him as the scripture scriptures say that we are his um we you know we become one one with him uh yeah, paul said in in um which was colossians i believe it was where he said that we are his flesh we are his bones we are his body well, you know that Yeshua was from the tribe of Judah, right? So, um, so one can make a very good argument that every "quote unquote" Gentile that is a believer, not just a believer, but those who are really born of God, those who are united with the Messiah, will take on, but uh, will follow the Messiah into the into the. Uh, the gate of of Judah, right? So you you can say that Judah, the gate of Judah, or the tribe of Judah is your gate. However, um, one could also say now that would be the I would say that would be the strongest argument that believers would be f- f- from the tribe of Judah. And again, just to make it clear, when I say believer, I'm talking about someone who is not just someone who's got head knowledge. I'm talking about someone who really is united with the Lord, someone who is one with the Lord, okay? Someone who's died to themselves and they are alive to, to the Messiah, to Yeshua. They're one with Yeshua. They're one with the tribe of Judah, amen? So, but another one, someone could also make the make an argument saying that spiritually speaking it, it, it may be possible it may be possible to be part of a different tribe spiritually speaking because we got each tribe is is got a different identity different characteristics different features you know we read that in uh, in the end of the book of genesis when every tribe is listed and each of their, their features of each tribe is, 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 um, is enumerated there. So very good question, HP, but that's, that's, that would be the best answer that, uh, uh that one could give
1: seeing that the scriptures are not explicit about that. Byron says, it was an odd
0: dream. The moon spun around, around the earth twice in less than a minute, and then spirits were in the sky, helicopters, jets, chaos all over. I asked God for a dream last night before I slept, and that's what I dreamt of. Wow, that's amazing. That is awesome. You I mean, you ask God for a dream, and, and you dream something like that. That's that's definitely significant. Definitely significant. Okay. So, um, yeah, welcome everyone. Good to see you guys. For those of you who are listening on a, uh, you're listening to a replay or you're listening to the podcast later. Um, I do go live every single day. You can join me live, uh, as I read through the comments, especially on YouTube. Although I am live on other platforms as well. I think YouTube would be the primary platform, uh, at this point in time. And so, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's basically uh, how we do it every single night. Every single night, seven p.m. Uh, except for Saturday, except for Shabbat. We we start at two p.m. and uh, and we take uh, live questions. Going nowhere says, if Satan and the fallen angels repented, would they be forgiven and eventually let back into heaven? No. No, because it's very, very clear in the scriptures that repentance is only for us, for our lifetime. As soon as you die, okay, there's no more time to repent. In fact, there are some people that even before they die, uh, they can't repent. For example, Esau, right? In um, Hebrews chapter 12, it says that Esau Sought repentance with tears. I mean, he really wanted to repent. He was really sorry for what he did, but he did not find repentance. There was no hope for him. Okay, so if Esau, if there's no hope for Esau, how much more Satan himself or or the fallen angels? But the idea is, um, and we read about it there the other night in Ezekiel chapter eighteen is repentance. The the time of grace allotted to us given to us for to repent is during this life if we die in our sins there's no more uh, repentance uh if we die in righteousness then we're you know that's sealed the fate fate is sealed in luke chapter 16 yeshua talks about the rich man and lazarus and he said that once once lazarus you know, came to paradise. And once the rich man went to a place that only can be described as hell, uh, there's no going back and forth between the two. So death is the final, that's the that's the final, that's the last, the last chance. Okay. Um, you die and the doors are closed. Uh so Satan and the fallen angels. Well we know from the book of Enoch that the fallen angels come from um well evil spirits let me put it that way evil spirits um at least a good part of them came from the uh the giants or the nephilim uh that lived around Noah's time and they you know I don't know if they could have repented or not and depending on if they if they were allotted that kind of a grace or not nevertheless they died and uh, those spirits being evil spirits are sealed. It, it's, they can't go. Uh yeah, they can't do that. Um, repentance is only given to uh to human
1: beings. So very good question. Yep. HP says, "Thank, thanks so much,
0: Christopher. You have no idea how much these live streams help me. Um, I have been wanting to study the Torah, but struggle with concentration um, slash focus. And these videos help me so much. Thank you very much for letting me know. Thank you very much for the, uh, f- for the encouraging uh, comment, any kind of, um, you know, Phrase, phrase report like that is very good to read. I appreciate you. I appreciate your fellowship and uh, appreciate your questions for sure. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the moral code of the Torah, the moral code of the Holy Scriptures. Now that reminds me, let me, let me just, let me just bring a, a fact to you guys Those of you know what's going on in the world today, especially in Canada, we have uh, the Prime Minister of Canada who is (laughs) doing everything he can to to squash and to silence and to defund uh, the protesters that protest against him. (sighs) Very sad situation. I mean, you know it would have been much wiser for him just to go and 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 be and humble himself and talk to these people instead of trying to cancel them. Uh it's very unfortunate. Um for those of you who don't know the history of Canada, uh Prime Minister Justin Trudeau who is prime minister right now as of, as of we don't know about tomorrow, right? But as of right now, uh prime minister of Canada as of the making of this live stream. His Father um, was also Prime Minister of Canada way back in the the 70s, 80s. And a lot of corruption came in through him as well. Okay. A lot of corruption came in through him. One of the things that that his father said, which is very, very foolish. And I want to I just want to say that. Straight out it very, very foolish. Is uh, Justin Trudeau's father by the name is Pierre Trudeau. So Pierre Trudeau used to be prime minister of Canada. Uh, he has passed away like some, uh, what was it, like 20 years ago or so now. But um, But he said, as prime minister, he said that he does not believe that government should be in the bedroom, okay? In the sense of there should not be any... According to that, basically um he did not believe that there should be any laws governing governing moral uh, activity when it comes to the bedroom, okay. He did not believe that the government should be involved in that at all. Basically, let everybody do whatever they want to do. You know, whatever, 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 whatever you think, whatever you like to do, you do. Okay, Uh, and and of course, that sounds very good to people who like to engage in activity that is, or at least was, forbidden by. Many or most of the nations of the world today in the past several decades, we've seen those laws change. we've seen those those laws loosen and change and actually even go backwards, where it's like now it's like it's almost not you know it's almost unlawful to 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 say anything uh, against the immorality, the immorality in the world today. Now, I say that Pierre was very foolish in saying that
1: because God, in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite knowledge, he
0: made sure that he put in rules about this kind of activity. And we're going to read about that tonight. Why? Because it is super, super important for a government to make sure that the land is not defiled. That the activity that is
1: that is done in that land, in that nation, is right and just in the
0: sight of God. Otherwise, as it says in the Scriptures over and over again, this is what the Holy Scriptures tell us. Almost every, well, most homes in,
1: in, in uh, especially the Western world today, have a Bible. And this is what the Bible tells you. When certain activities that are,
0: are done that, that God deems immoral, that defiles the land. That pollutes the land, and that causes an all manner of
1: problems. God saw it very, very important to, to lay down the law, so to speak, as a, a, in, in regards to
0: behavior. Uh, especially in regards to like sexual behavior he laid down the law very very clear god thinks it's absolutely of utmost importance for the law to outline these things what is moral what is not moral what is good what is not good what is allowed what should be done? What should not be done? Okay. Now, most of the world today, especially in the Western world, there are at least a little bit. There's a little bit of a hint of some rules in there still, some laws in there still. But of course, as as you and I both know, over the past several decades, the laws have been loosening and loosening and loosening and loosening. And this is one of the biggest reasons why. There is so much problem in the world today. So much problem with families today. So much problem with society today. So much problem with fatherlessness and uh,
1: all kinds of things. It's all based upon this. And if the truth, the fact
0: of the matter is this if people just obeyed what the Bible says, what the Holy Scriptures say
1: in regards to moral conduct, a lot of diseases
0: would not even exist. A lot of diseases would not even exist. And that's not to mention all of the emotional problems, all of the problems in society and then all the problems in family court.
1: And that's not to mention God getting angry with
0: the immorality that's happening and God responding in his anger. How how does God respond in His anger? We will read, Lord willing, you know, Lord willing, we get through the entire Tanakh, and I want to go through the entire Tanakh with you guys. I want to go through the whole thing with you guys, and you'll see over and over and over again. This is how this is what God does. When when the people humble themselves and come back to, to walking in 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 God's ways, in His instructions, in His law, God blesses them abundantly. He gives them power. He gives them peace. He gives them strength. He blesses them. But when they don't do that, when they fall out of line, when they do things that God said not to do, God can put up with it a little while, okay? He can put up with it. I mean, he's, a long, he's merciful and long-suffering, but he's not. He, he, his patience does run out. And when it does,
1: he gets angry. And when he gets angry, he sends pestilence,
0: disease. He sends plagues. He sends natural disasters. He, st- he even sends stuff like wild beasts or war. He 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 raises up other peoples to come against the people. You know the. Uh, all kinds of different things. There's many different ways that God unleashes his anger out upon the people.
1: Many different things. He uses all kinds of things. Whenever there's civil unrest,
0: we've got to ask the question what. Are we doing wrong in regards to the law of God? What part of the law of God are we breaking? What part of the law of God
1: are we thumbing our nose to? What part of the law of God are we going, yeah, but... Remember, God said he pays
0: attention to the one who is humble, the one who trembles at his word
1: not someone who just tries to make excuses or ignores the word
0: of god like most people do unfortunately you think i often think about what happened in the day in the, the days of jonah in the book of jonah jonah of course being a jewish prophet goes to an assyrian city nineveh and he goes to nineveh and all he said all he says was God's going to destroy the city. That's it. He didn't preach against their sin. He didn't call them to repentance. He just said, God's going to destroy the city. But you see, the the Ninevites, they were wise enough. They had enough knowledge to say, oh, what? Someone said God's going to destroy the city? Wait a second.
1: Could that be true? What are we doing wrong? Let's, let's, re, let's reassess.
0: Let's humble ourselves. What did they do? They fasted and prayed. Everybody from the king all the way down to the pauper, even the animals, fasted. And the people prayed. They took it very serious. Today, you see people standing on the street corners with signs saying, God, you know, repent or die or repent or perish or something like that. And people just walk by and totally ignore it. Or God's wrath is coming. Or something to that effect. God will pour out his wrath upon this city or this nation or this world, whatever. But people just ignore it. That's how bad it is today. Back in those days, even though the Ninevites were were not Jewish, they were Gentiles, yet they had enough sense, they had enough wisdom to humble themselves, to hit the floor, basically, face to the floor. Oh God, what did we do? Could this be true that you're going to destroy this city? Show us what part of of your law did we break? What part? Of your instructions, are we not following here? You realize, you guys realize, like many nations, especially Western nations, we got like America, Canada, Australia, and many other nations started out in tune. Well, pretty much like not, not maybe not 100%, but (laughs) very, Quite a bit more in tune with the Torah than it is today.
1: They started out pretty, pretty much lockstep in in tune with God. But over the over time, you know,
0: corruption set in. And look what we got today: massive corruption. And people that are very, very proud and arrogant.
1: Don't even care. All the way to destruction, they don't even care. So what we're going to read today, if if for no other reason, and I, I, it,
0: every politician should perk up their ears to this, Compare, you're talking about Trudeau, right? P- compare Pierre Trudeau, is, who said the government shouldn't be in the bedroom, to God, who's, who said, this is the government. I am God, and I'm certainly very, 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 very interested and in very much in the bedroom. And I, And I produce a whole lot of rules here and a whole lot of, a whole lot, of laws, rules, instructions about that. He saw it fit. This this is not just in the Christian Bible, the Jewish Bible. I mean, we got a lot of this kind of stuff even in Islam as well. Okay? So we're not talking about just one. We're talking about...
1: We're talking about the abrahamic religions in in total
0: god saw it very 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 important to the point of spending writing actually giving moses
1: like chapters full of these kind of instructions So let's read it. Now remember, I'm going to read it, and
0: I want you guys to think about how much God,
1: how much, how much importance God puts on this, this kind of thing.
0: God doesn't give laws for no reason. He doesn't give laws just to, law, just to lord it over people. He gives laws because He knows what's best, as it says in Deuteronomy chapter six. This law, this Torah, is for you, so that you would be blessed, so to be, so that it will be well with you. And God said that over and over again. He didn't give the Torah just to show how much of a sinner we are. That's not why He gave the Torah. That's not why He gave us His instructions. That's not why He gave us His laws. He gave us his laws, his instructions, because he wants it, he wants it to be well with us.
1: He wants us to live happy, blessed, prosperous, peaceful lives. Let's uh, let's begin. Uh, Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18. Verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak
0: unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you, you dwelt, you shall not. It sh- shall you not do? And after the doings of the land of Canaan, where I bring you, shall you not do? Neither shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall do my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. Now, let me just talk about this for a second. If a man do, he shall live in them. What does that mean? Again, we have this word live. It's the same word. It's the same meaning as in Habakkuk, where it says the just shall live by faith. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about eternal life. That's what it's talking about. So it says, "If a man do these things, he shall live in them." In other words, you will be saved, or you will have eternal life if you do them. A lot of people. Well, we we read about it in the book of um, in the Gospels when people came to Yeshua and asked him, how do we have eternal life? What do we do to inherit eternal life? And he said, obey the commandments. Basically, just repeating what the word of God says here. If a man do it, he shall live in them. Contrary to what some Christians believe, that if the the law is only as a ministry of death, no, it's not. It's only a ministry of death to those who actually break it i mean if you if you break it and you and you you are willfully and constantly in a state of rebellion and there's no repentance then yeah definitely it's you know it says that you'll die and again it's not talking about just biological death it's talking about spiritual death but it says if a man do these things he will live in them In other words, you will find eternal life. Verse 6. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. Notice, Notice here that the father's wife the nakedness of the father's wife is the father's nakedness okay why because they're one flesh the nakedness of your sister and the daughter of your father or the daughter of your mother whether she be born at home or born abroad even their nakedness you shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. Even their nakedness you shall not uncover. For theirs is your own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife's wife's daughter. Begotten of your father. She is y- your sister. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is your father's near kinswoman. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister. She is your mother's near kinswoman. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not approach to his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. Neither shall you take her daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. For they are her near kinswoman. It is wickedness. Neither shall you take a wife to her sister. To vex her, to uncover her nakedness, beside the other in her life, in her lifetime, you shall not approach. You shall not approach to a woman to uncover her nakedness, as long as she is put apart for her uncleanness. Moreover, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. You shall not. Any of your seed pass through the fire to Molech. Neither shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Now this here again, Molech. Moloch, or Molech, depending on what translation you are uh, reading from. But Molech is an ancient form of, it's a symbol of abortion, basically. Molech is, an, is a, uh, it was like a big statue that had its, uh, stomach open uh they believe it looked something like this okay and inside the stomach okay or in the womb so to speak uh when children see what they would do is they would have uh big parties and and there would be a lot of sexual immorality going on and children were, would be conceived and then as the child was born basically they would Throw it right in there uh, immediately, pretty much, uh, and that child would be would uh, would die in the womb of this god, so-called god, um, Moloch. Okay, it's an ancient picture of modern-day abortion. That's what it is. So that's what it means to pass uh, to let any of your seed pass through the fire to Moloch. Verse 22 You shall not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Neither shall you lie with any beast to defile yourself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereto. It is confusion. Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in for in all these the nations are defiled which which i cast out before you and the land is defiled this is amazing here let me just stop here for a second because this is something that a lot of people you don't think about recently i've been talking a lot about how inanimate objects can be can carry spiritual can be a conduit to the spiritual realm In other words, what it says here, the Word of God says, if you do any of those things, any of those things that God said not to do, you defile not just yourself, the
1: land. The land is defiled. You talk about, you know, saving the environment. Talk about saving the
0: environment. You really want to save the environment? If if Is the environment heating up? If it is, maybe it's heating
1: up with God's anger. Talk about saving the environment. Ask the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Ask the people of Noah's day.
0: By the way, according to Genesis Rabbah, I believe it is Genesis Rabbah, and uh, Leviticus Rabbah, if I can remember right, it says that in Noah's day, it very much um, it was very much like the the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. The sins that were committed in Sodom and Gomorrah were committed in Noah's day as well. Although you don't read that explicitly spelt out for us in great detail in in, in Genesis. It is in some of the ancient documents and some of the
1: ancient extra-biblical books. The land was defiled. The land itself
0: was defiled. You want to save the earth? You want to save the land? Well, the first way to do it is to ensure that you don't sin in these ways. And the land is defiled. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity thereof
1: upon it. What does that mean? That means God God comes and
0: repays. He repays.
1: He means that he... Will punish,
0: he will punish the sins, okay, and the land itself vomits out her inhabitants, okay, the land itself vomits out her inhabitants. What a what a way to put it,
1: what a way to put this. God is a little a little bit graphic here, doesn't isn't it?
0: God a little bit graphic in this portion of Scripture. Verse 26, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation. In other words, not just you. It's not just you should. It's not that you should be concerned about yourself, but also about everybody else in the nation. That's how important it is nor any
1: stranger that, that sojourns among you. In other words, even the people that's visiting the nation. For all
0: these abominations have the men of the land done, which were before you, and the land is defiled, that the land spew not you out also when you defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you. Now. What what God is saying here is this. Remember, he's talking to the children of Israel in the wilderness, and they are going through like the conquest of Canaan, as they call it. And they're going from place to place, and they are basically waging war with these people. And
1: God is saying, the only reason why you are winning The only reason why
0: you can fight against Og, king of Bashan, and Sihon, king of, you know, Sihon and and Og and all these other ones. Sihon, king of Heshbon, and all these other. The only reason why you can, you, you're winning so much is because they have done these things
1: that they have practiced these forbidden things.
0: And because of that, they have lost their right to the land. Not just that, but God, not, not, not just that God is, is wiping them out or causing them to fall before Israel uh, in, in battle, but also it says the land itself is, is vomiting these people out.
1: Even the earth, even the earth is sick of sin. That kind of goes against Gnosticism, doesn't
0: it? Because Gnosticism would tell you that any anything that's material is sinful. And the spiritual is is is, is good and, and righteous. But the, but, the, but the fleshly, you know, the flesh and the material things is sinful. No, that's not the case. That's why John says in 1 John over and over and over again, like you need to make sure that you know you need to. Recognize and also test the spirits if, if Yeshua has come in the flesh. Because, you see, this guy, these people were a little bit prone to Gnostic be, uh, beliefs.
1: But the earth itself, being material, what is,
0: becomes sick of sin, according to the Word of God so sick of sin that it will it will vomit out its inhabitants so god is warning the children of israel he is warning his beloved children don't do what these other people have done because if you do you will be you will lose the right to your land as well just like they have lost the right to their land in other words god says i am giving you Victory everywhere you go because of the sins of the other people. Because of their sin, they have become weak. They have lost the right to the land. And even the earth itself vomits them out. So God warns them, don't do it. Don't do any of these things that we just read in the earlier part of this chapter. That the land spew not you out also when you defile it as it spewed out the the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore shall you keep my ordinance, that you commit not any one of these abominable customs. Which were committed before you, and that you defile not yourselves therein. I am the Lord your God. Now, I don't have this set up right now, um, but let me just quickly move on over because, you know, the, it, Deuteronomy chapter 9 just beautifully fits right into Leviticus chapter 18, Leviticus chapter 20. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter
1: 9. Okay, check this out. Verse 1. Israel,
0: listen to me. You will soon cross the Jordan River and go into
1: the land to force out the nations that live there. They are more powerful than you are.
0: That's something, that's a key point right there. They they are more powerful than you are. And the walls around their cities reach to the sky. It's you know, it's, it's almost impossible. There, some of these nations are are the descendants of the Anakim. Anakim are. Um, it says, see note there. So the Anakim are basically the like giants. You know how tall and strong they are, and you've heard that no one can defeat them in battle. But, there's a good but right there. But the Lord your God has promised to go ahead of you. Like a raging fire burning everything in his path. So when you attack your enemies, it will be easy for you to destroy them and take their land. After the Lord helps you wipe out these nations and conquer their land, don't
1: think he did it because you're such good people. Another key point. Don't think he did it because
0: you're such good people. You aren't good. You are stubborn. No. The Lord is going to help you because the nations that live there are evil and because he wants to keep promise he made to your ancestors abraham isaac and jacob don't forget how you you kept rebelling and making the lord angry the whole time you were in the desert you rebelled from the from the day you left Egypt until the day you arrived there. At Mount Sinai, you made the Lord so angry that he was going to destroy you. It, ha- it happened during those 40 days and nights I was on the mountain without anything to eat or drink. He had told me there so that he could give me the agreement that he made with us. And this agreement... Was, act- was actually the Ten Commandments he had announced to you when he spoke from the fire on the mountain. The Lord had written them on two flat stones with his own hand. But after giving me the two stones, he said, Moses, hurry down the mountain to those people you led out of Egypt. They have already disobeyed me. Already. Doesn't take long for corruption to set in, does it? Doesn't take long. They've already disobeyed me and committed the terrible sin of making an idol. I've been watching the Israelites, and I've seen how stubborn and rebellious they are. So don't try to stop me. I'm going to wipe them out. And no one on earth will remember they, they ever lived. Then I will let your descendants down become an even bigger and more powerful nation than Israel. So God goes on to to explain a, a little bit of the history of you know don't don't think don't you guys
1: think that you are so good because you're not so good So here's here's the here's the key here God said to the children of
0: Israel, "Don't think you are getting the victory because you're such a good people. Because you're not so good. It's not that you're so good, but it's be, it, but it's because the other people that have the land right now, the ones that are inhabiting the land right now, they are so wicked. So their wicked their wickedness outweighed your stubbornness. Their wickedness was much worse than." Your
1: negative attributes, your stubbornness. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting.
0: Let's continue with Leviticus chapter 19.
1: Leviticus chapter 19. Some reason my computer
0: here is a bit slow. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children, excuse me, speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy. I, the Lord your God, am holy. Let me stop here for a second. Notice when God brought down the
1: dietary laws. In Leviticus chapter 11, he said the same thing. Now he's
0: bringing down laws, he brought down laws in regards to, again, what happens in the bedroom in Leviticus chapter 18. And then he says the same thing. Notice that the lust, the, the quote-unquote lust of the flesh, so to speak, can take two different forms it can take that of food like how it says that Esau in Hebrews chapter 12 is that Esau was a fornicator not because of a sexual sin but because of food he he valued food more than the spiritual blessing of the birthright and now here we got the other side of the so like the quote-unquote lust of the flesh, we have the sexual part of it, right? So back in, um, what was it, eight, eight chapters ago in, in Leviticus chapter 11 was the food part of it. And it, it when it comes to this kind of stuff, God puts these things in there like, you shall be holy for I am Holy. We know that this is also quoted by Peter. Peter also quoted this as well in the New Testament. Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, "You shall be holy, for I am the Lord. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall fear every man his mother and his father."
1: And keep my Sabbaths. In other words, God is telling every man
0: and their parent and every man's parents that they should fear, they should respect God, they should respect the word of God and keep his Sabbaths. He goes on to say, I am the Lord your God. Turn not unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. If you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, you shall offer it at your own will. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it, and on the morrow. And if aught remain unto the third day, it shall be burnt in the fire. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable. It shall not be accepted. Therefore, everyone that eats, eats it shall bear his iniquity, because, the, because he has profaned the hallowed the thing or the holy thing of the Lord. And that soul shall be cut off from among his people. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, neither shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, neither shall you gather every grape of the vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So again, This is the law of love, okay? So the Torah is a law of of love. What God is telling the farmers basically is, don't pick everything of the crops. Leave, Leave a good portion for those who want to come and just help themselves. You've got the poor people, the strangers. These people, feed them. Don't take it all to yourself, even though it's on your own property, your own field. Let them come and pick it. You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie to one another, one to another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely,
1: neither shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud your neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him
0: that is hired shall not abide with you, with you all night until the morning. You shall not cause the deaf, nor excuse me. You shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But shall fear your God, I am the Lord. Let me just go back up here to verse thirteen. You shall not defraud your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not, a, shall not stay with you all night until the morning. So, I mean, God is, what, what's God saying here? Basically, he's saying, pay, pay your employees fast. Don't even wait till the next day. Pay them the very day that they work. Don't hold their pay. Again, this is the Torah. This is the law of love. You shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But You shall fear God. I am the Lord. Verse 15, you shall shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. A a lot of Christians would say, oh, you know, judge not lest lest you be judged. Well, again, in context, Jesus was talking to the hypocrites, okay? He wasn't talking to his disciples. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, it's your duty to judge. You cannot obey Jesus. You cannot follow him without judging. For example, he said, beware of wolves and sheep's clothing. You cannot obey Jesus without judging somebody as being a wolf. Beware of the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Right? That antinomianism. Well, you can't obey that without judging somebody as being like a Nicolaitan. Beware of false teachers. Beware of the Pharisees. You can't obey Jesus without judging. Judging is part of walking with God. Again, in context, when you read Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus said, Judge not, lest ye be judged, he said, Because He he said, you hypocrites, You, you have a plank in your own eye, but you're trying to remove a speck out of your brother's eye. He said, first remove the plank out of your eye, then you can remove the speck out of your brother's eye. In other words, it's okay to judge as long as you make sure you get the stuff out of your own eye first. The idea is, don't condemn somebody for doing that which you are presently doing. It's okay to judge somebody if you have already, let's say, for example, if you used to, let's say you used to be a kleptomaniac, you used to steal, okay? You don't do that anymore. You've repented. Everything's good. All is good. Now, is it okay to to tell somebody else you shouldn't steal? Of course it's okay because you've already repented of that. God doesn't count any of that past against you anymore. Your present state is clean, pure. You have the ability. You've already got that plank on your eye. You have the authority. You are allowed by God to judge somebody else for stealing. Now, if
1: you're presently a kleptomaniac,
0: and you just can't help yourself, but you, you steal all the time, If you're stealing, if you stole yesterday, you're stealing today, and you're going to steal tomorrow, and yet you condemn other people. Oh, no, you're bad, you're a bad person. You're a thief. Well, yeah, okay. First of all, take the plank out of your eye, then you can remove the speck out of your brother's eye. What God is saying here is you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. In other words, when you judge, remember, Jesus said in John chapter 7. Actually, Jesus commanded his followers in John chapter 7 judge with righteous
1: judgment. Judge with righteous judgment. What does that mean? That
0: means when you judge others, make sure you are, you know, make sure it's a righteous judgment. Make sure that it's, make sure you're not a a hypocrite, of course, but make sure that you
1: are judging rightly. You're not going by, you know,
0: a false information or something like that. You're, 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 uh, you're actually judging properly. And that's what, when Jesus said that in John chapter 7, he was actually quoting this. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Well, he wasn't quoting it word for word, but he was basically saying the same thing. Do no unrighteousness and judgment. Judge
1: with righteous judgment.
0: You shall not respect the person of the. You shall not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. It's, it's a commandment. It's a commandment. You shall judge your neighbor. So th- this is an old way. You know you when know, it says you shall not respect the person. What that means is you shall not play favorites. Don't favor the mighty, you know, don't favor the uh yeah, the rich over the poor, like James talks about in, in James chapter two. Okay. But, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. In other words, treat everybody fairly. Don't be playing favorites. Verse 16. You shall not go up and down as a talebearer among your people. Oh, boy, oh, boy. A lot of churches have a lot of talebearers in them today, don't you think? Isn't that true? Neither shall you stand against the blood of your neighbor. I am the Lord. Verse 17 You shall not hate your brother in your hearts. You shall, in anywise rebuke your neighbor and not suffer sin upon him that's very awesome let me just stop here for a second too because this is this is this is really good god says don't hate your brother or another person your neighbor whatever you want to call it. don't
1: hate the other person instead of hating them rebuke them rebuke them
0: for their sin and that's very interesting because today, it, things are, people are so backwards. If you rebuke somebody for their sin, they think it's hate. According to the Word of God, hate is when you do not rebuke them for their sin. You leave them on the
1: road to destruction. That's hate. Rebuking somebody is love you care enough to try to at least try to correct them that's
0: love verse 18 you shall not avenge right remember it says many times in the scriptures god said i vengeance is mine says the lord you shall not avenge how can we get to the point where we where we don't take vengeance or how let me let me put it this way. How can we get to the point where we do not want to take vengeance on you know against somebody else? When we don't want to take revenge. How can you get to the point where you don't avenge? Somebody treats you harshly, you want to get back at them. How do you get to the point where you,
1: that doesn't happen? One of the key, key things is to
0: recognize God's presence and his working in all things. Remember the story of Joseph. He did not fight, he did not take revenge against, he had lots of wrongs done to him, right? His brothers threw him into
1: a pit, left him for dead, sold him as a slave for his wife. Lots of things. He was thrown into prison for how many years like years.
0: But he did not take vengeance and he did not seek, he did not seek vengeance because he recognized God's presence and working
1: in his life, in all things. So when something happens, so you, you can look, you can say, hey. Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you trying to teach
0: me here? How can I trust you through this? How can I trust
1: that you've got my back? How can, how can I trust that you've got this? you got to recognize and trust. Pray. Trust God is working behind the scenes.
0: And let him take vengeance. Let him avenge. As it says here in verse 18, you shall not avenge nor bear a gr- any grudge against the children of your people. This is, it's this particular whole thing here, like this whole thing. Uh, uh, this is where Jesus got the teachings of forgiveness. Remember, Jesus
1: spoke a lot about forgiveness, right? This is where he got it from. He was preaching Torah. He was preaching
0: Torah, 100%. Everything he preached was was from the Torah, 100%.
1: Before I get too far here, let me check out some of your comments. Paulina asked a question, uh, greetings from Mexico,
0: greetings, welcome. As always, question, what do you think is go- that is going to happen to the, Nef- the Nephilim since they weren't created by Elohim and hell was not made for them?
1: Um, if I understand your question
0: properly see like the nephilim a lot of the nephilim already died and so again according to the book of enoch the the spirits from the nephilim are uh some of the evil spirits that are on earth today um so you know if the spirits of the nephilim are really evil spirits then uh you know, how their, you know, uh,
1: their eternal home will be in hell. Um, now we know that a lot of them, I, 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 I can, just, probably
0: some people would say, I'm, let me just say this. I am not aware of any Nephilim Alive today, I mean walking on earth uh, in you know in that sense spiritually speaking, yes, right spiritually speaking, yes, we have the spirits evil spirits today this evil, the spirits of the nephilim. so I believe that their eternal home is hell. yeah, I think that the their eternal home is hell there's uh, there's no other i i can't think of any other any
1: other way very good question uh paulina thank you for asking byron says after the
0: thousand years they reign with jesus will they be judged the ones who who refuse the mark and do not deny Jesus. After the thousand years uh, uh, they reign with Jesus, will they be judged? Well, it says after the thousand years, Satan will be loosed again to test the people. So, yeah, there will be a judgment for sure. If Satan is loosed to test the people, then there would have to be a judgment after the testing. So, uh, I would say
1: yes. yes they will be judged hp says, speaking of
0: which how can one humble themselves before the lord and generally, genuinely believe in their hearts that they do observe that they do deserve death
1: for what they have done how is this achieved So
0: when you read the scriptures, like I'm going to, I'm going to say this when I say death, I'm talking about spiritual death. I'm talking about, uh, again, eternal death, like exists hell as we're talking about hell. Um, I mean, if life equals heaven, death equals hell. Uh, so how can one hum, hum, humble themselves before the Lord and genu- genuinely leave in their hearts that they do deserve death for what they have done? Um, I don't,
1: I don't think that. I mean, if you read this, you read the scriptures like some of the things that we're reading. You read the Word of God. You read what, what God said, and God said, "If let's say,
0: for example, if you do such and such, you know, you deserve death." Um,
1: so you believe in your heart that you deserve death. I mean, if you do any of
0: those things, because God said it, God said it, you, you, you say, okay, okay, Lord, like I, you know, you said it, therefore
1: I, I believe that. Um, I think that the I think that a greater emphasis, a greater emphasis, should be put on
0: like the repentance of it. Whether or not someone generally genuinely believes that they deserve it or not, um, is really that's really something that we don't see much of in the scriptures. But rather that they just stop doing what they should they they shouldn't be doing. Um, doesn't really matter how the repentance happens as long as it happens sometimes it takes godly sorrow in order to bring repentance sometimes it it, you know it takes that um but sometimes people can repent without even even if they don't believe they deserve death i mean if they read the scriptures they should believe it because that's what the script that's what god said Um, but it's possible to repent without even. Genuinely, genuinely, genuinely believing that. So, yeah, it's just a matter of just believing what what uh, what God says.
1: Thank you, HP. Going nowhere said,
0: Jesus said there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Sounds like he was saying the second coming was in their lifetime or not. Uh, So he said that in Matthew chapter 16, the end of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 17. Now remember, all all of the books of the Bible, when when they were originally written, they were not written in chapters and verses. So the book of Matthew was like all one long book or one long scroll it would be in, in those times. Later on, um, many years later, uh, that's when some of the scribes and these kind of people, they divided it up. Okay, this would be chapter one. This is chapter two. I think, we'll, I think we'll split it here. We'll call it chapter three. You know, it, Originally, it wasn't like that. So, in the book of Matthew, when you got that story, uh, it's at the end of chapter 16. Chapter 17 starts out with the fulfillment of that, okay? Because Yeshua said that to just his immediate 12, okay? He was talking to his 12 disciples. He had 12 disciples there. And he said to them, some of you here will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And immediately after that, three of them, that's the sum, three of them, Peter, James, and John, went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Yeshua was transfigured before them. They saw the Son of Man in his glory, in his kingdom. They saw the power in his king, His kingship. They, they saw it right there. That was the fulfillment of it. And so... Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't talking about the second coming. It was talking about the transfiguration.
1: Thank you for asking, going nowhere. Byron says, after the thousand years they they reign
0: with the Lord, will they be judged according to their works? Yeah. And you know what, Yeshua, and everywhere through the scriptures, uh, with, with the possible, I would say possible, depending on, and how you interpret it, with the possible exception of what Paul says, but everything that you read from Genesis to Revelation, it says it would be judged according to your works. Even Yeshua, Jesus, um, Matthew chapter 25, when he he said basically this is what's going to happen on the day of judgment, right? All nations are going to come before me. Everybody's going to come before me. Why? He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. He's the judge, right? And he said, I'm going to divide them between, they're going to divide the the sheep from the goats. And, and, you know, the sheep go to the joy of the Lord, welcome to the joy of the Lord, Um, you know, enter into the joy of the Lord, enter into paradise, enter into heaven. Whereas the goats go into eternal, everlasting punishment, eternal fire. And how did he divide the two? What was it? It's He judged according to their works. He said nothing about their faith anything else it was everything about their works same with um all the way to the book of revelation you know it, it says that um so it's always been like that yeah it's always been like that again with with the possible exception of of paul's letters depending on how you translate that but paul is paul right i mean we are uh you know, if there is any discrepancy between what Paul says and what Jesus said, what Paul says and what James says, because James says the same thing: faith without works is dead. You know, um, verse 20, James 2:24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Uh so if Paul says anything contrary to Peter, James, and John, Peter, James, and John takes the pre- it takes the, the the preeminence they are way more powerful they have way more authority than paul ever had and ever will have uh, and if paul says anything against or contrary to what yeshua taught the same thing right the problem is today is a lot of people they go by what paul says what they interpret paul as saying even if it's contrary to james peter john even Jesus Himself and all the rest of those scriptures—that is the Holy Word of God—that's forever settled in heaven. All right, let's read a little bit more before I get to some of your other comments here. Let's read a little bit more. So again, we're on Leviticus chapter nineteen, verse eighteen: "You shall not avenge, nor nor bear any grudge against the children of your people." So again, this is this is the passage that Yeshua based his entire teaching of forgiveness on. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Okay. I find it interesting that Christians like to, a lot of Christians today, modern Christians like to, they quote that, oh yeah, they quote that, but reject everything else. We don't go by the Torah no more. We'll go go by this because I, I like this. We'll, we'll cherry pick this one out. Uh, well, it doesn't work that way. Take it all or not at all. Verse 19, you shall keep my statutes. You know, we read this over and over and over and over again. When God says, you shall keep my statutes. You you know, do this so that you'll be blessed. Do that so that you'll be blessed. You need to, you need to obey my law. You need to obey my statutes. If it was impossible to do that's it that would be that would be abusive for God to say that to his children of course it's not impossible it's very possible very very possible as God said himself in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 11 it's easy it's easy you shall keep my statutes you shall not let your cattle gender with diverse kind you shall not sow your field with mingled seed, neither shall a garment mingled of lit, linen and wool come upon you. Whosoever lies carnally with a woman that is a bondmaid betrothed to a husband and not at all redeemed, nor uh, freedom given to her, she shall be scourged and they shall be they shall not be put to death because she was not free. But he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, even a ram for a trespass offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of trespass offering before the Lord for his sin which he has done. For the sin which he has done shall be forgiven. And when you shall come into the land, and shall have planted all manner of trees for food. Then you shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised. Three years shall it be uncircumcised unto you, and shall not be eaten of. Uh, it shall not be eaten of. But in the fourth year, all the fruit thereof sh- uh, shall be holy to praise the Lord withal. And in the fifth year you shall eat of the fruit thereof that it may yield unto you the increase the increase thereof I am the Lord your God you shall not eat anything with the blood neither shall you use enchantment nor observe times you shall not round the corners of your heads neither shall you mar the corners of your beard you shall not make Any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. Again, this is tattoos right there. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom, and the land become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Regard not them that have familiar spirits; neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. You shall you so rise up before the hoary head, and this would be like the uh, like gray or white hair people with gray hair, white hair, and honor the face of the old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. And if a stranger sojourn with you. In your land, you shall not vex him. But the stranger that dwells with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Notice how God always reminds them about, hey, take a look at how you used to be. Don't judge people for being right now the way you used to be. Verse 35, you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. Just balances, just balances. In other words, everything's got to be honest and not, uh, everything's got to be accurate. Just weights and a, a just a ephah and a just hin shall you have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am the Lord. Leviticus chapter 20. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Again you shall say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel that gives any of his seed unto Molech, again, this is a picture of abortion, he shall surely be put to death. For the people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man, and I and will him off from among his people, because he has given of his seed unto Molech, to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do any ways hide their eyes from the man when he gives his seed unto Molech and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go a-whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. And the soul that turns After such as have familiar spirits, and after wizards to go a-whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut him off from among his people. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. And you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. For anyone that curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death, and he has cursed it, he has cursed his father or mother or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. And the man that commits adultery with another man's wife, even he that commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be. Put and the man that lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a, and if a man let his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lie with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man take a wife and her mother, it is, a, it is wickedness. They shall be with, burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness among you. And if a man lie with a beast, an animal, he be put to death and you shall slay the beast. And if a woman approach unto any beast and lie down thereto, you shall, you shall kill the woman and the beast, and they shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And if a man shall take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and, and she see his nakedness, it is a wicked thing, and they shall be cut off in sight of their people. He has cut uncovered his sister's nakedness, he shall bear his iniquity. And if a man shall lie with a woman after uh, having her sickness, and shall uncover her nakedness, he has this fountain, and she has uncovered the fountain of her blood, and both of them shall be cut off from among their people, and they shall not uncover the nakedness of their mother's sister. And, excuse me. And you shall not uncover the n- nakedness of your mother's sister, nor of your your father's sister for he has for he uncovers his near kin they shall bear their iniquity and if a man shall lie with his uncle's wife he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness they shall bear their sin they shall die childless and if a man shall take his brother's wife it is an unclean thing he that He has uncovered his brother's nakedness, they childless. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them, that the land where I bring you to dwell therein spew not out, and you shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. But I have said unto you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that flows with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. You shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean, and between unclean fowls and clean, and you shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that
1: creeps on the ground which i have separated from you as unclean
0: and you shall be holy unto me for i am for i, I the lord am holy and have severed you from other people that you should be mine a, my, a man also Or a woman that has a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. And the next portion is Leviticus chapter 21. Holiness required the
1: priests. Okay, so we got here for comments. Okay, so going nowhere, I ask the question,
0: uh, was it wrong of Elijah to mock the priests of Baal? I get the idea that as believers, we shouldn't mock or ridicule others. What do you think? Um, So, Elijah was not rebuked for that. God said nothing against him. Because of that, um, I would say that he is justified in doing so. It wasn't a practice of all of the prophets to do that kind of thing. I would say, considering the circumstances, like we have, we weren't there. Okay, it might it might be one of those things. It's just a, it's a location thing. So, you know, that's kind of like a one in one in a how many times do we read about prophets mocking others like that? Um, however, I mean. It it does really it does really drive the point home, and I think that because of that fact, I mean, if if Elijah did not mock them the way he did, the story the story wouldn't have packed such a punch that it, that it did. If if Elijah just would have sat back and kind of respected the prophets of Baal for doing what they did, then that might have weakened his you know, the whole message, the whole point behind it all. So I do not think it was a, it was wrong for Elijah to do that. Byron says, so the earth is alive and aware in some way, since it will vomit out its inhabitants, almost like the earth has its own spirit. He could say that, you know, in,
1: in, you know, it's a very interesting
0: subject. Um, look into a thing called cellular memory or body memory. Very interesting. Um, again, where it's like things, yeah, it's a very interesting, without getting into too much detail, but it's like things, even objects that is not alive per se, like, you know, inanimate objects can can retain information like for example they take they took this um flatworm they took a long flatworm and i know it sounds kind of gross or weird but they 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 taught the flatworm to go through a maze okay they taught it to go through a maze and it learned how to do it then they cut its head off and they cut it down to as small as they could cut it, and, and for it to still be, uh, live and survive, and, and it will grow back and grow a head back, grow its head back. So it, they cut its more or less, more or less they cut its brains off, okay. And and after it grew it back, it still remembered how to go through that maze. Very amazing thing. Check it out sometime. Uh, cellular memory or body memory. It's 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 uh it's actually biblical in a sense. Uh, You know, objects do uh, have, they can be a conduit into the spiritual realm for sure. Victoria says, hey, everyone. Hey,
1: Victoria, good to see you. Welcome.
0: Anthony says, where's Leviticus chapter 1 to 5 at? Uh, I answered your question. I know you asked that question there before I answered that. Um, I sent you an answer to that. Uh, I think that's the last. I'll have to get back to you on, uh, on that, Anthony. Um, send me an email. I did answer that. I saw you ask that question in the comments on YouTube, and I sent you that
1: answer. Uh, um, I think it's the last I think it's the last
0: video of the Tabernacle of Moses, if I can remember right, um, at the end of it, I'm trying to pull it up. Yeah,
1: but I, I did answer that. I got back. I got the Yeah, let me see here. Yeah.
0: Check check your uh check your notifications cuz it should be there,
1: Anthony. Thomas John
0: 7:24 Judge not by outward appearance but with righteous judgment yes
1: absolutely Freedom of speech asked the question.
0: What I find concerning about Jacob and Esau is that Jacob tricked Esau twice. Lastly, with the dad to get the birthright, uh, so God is is okay with this deception. Um, I would suggest too, like going back into some of the previous videos that we did in the past few weeks, um, we did talk about that. Uh, and uh, so Jacob, he got payback too. You know, I mean, don't forget. He was deceived by Laban after like, he, you know, so, uh, uh, you know, he got payback as well. I am Iron Man says, Shalom, brothers and sisters, bless y'all, shalom, blessings, blessings multiplied to you. Going Nowhere says, Does Satan have a physical appearance, or is he purely spiritual being? Also, he's a he's a spiritual being. He can take different spiritual or uh, physical um, forms. Uh, we read about it, uh, especially you read something like the Book of Joshua. You got you know the, an old, uh, Satan appearing as an old man, and then you got Satan appearing as a stream. <laughs> you got Satan appearing as different things. Um, so, you know, bottom line is he is a spiritual being, but he does, he can, um, what would you call it? Shapeshift, uh, take on different forms as well. A- Athanatos, Athanatos, uh, how would you define biblical grace? Well, grace means simply a gift, right? I mean, it, it, grace is by definition, is a gift. So anything that God, that, that God gives, is, is it, that's the grace of God, right? So the grace of God existed. Everything, everything's part of his grace. I mean, he created the world. Um, he gifted the world to us. That's a grace. I mean, that, that's God's grace. He gave us light. He gave us every breath that we breathe. It, we do everything by God's grace. Everything that God gives us is by his grace. HP says, sorry for not responding sooner. Uh, I had to leave for a bit. I don't,
1: just don't want to. I just don't want to
0: honor God with my lips and have my heart far from him. I want to honestly and truly agree, uh, align with him. Yeah totally get it totally understand yeah that's awesome yeah absolutely
1: okay um that's
0: let's, let's read leviticus chapter twenty one Uh, let me see. Going nowhere? Ask the question here, Christopher. What is what's your favorite movie based on any story from the Bible? That's a difficult one to ask. That's a different one. That's a difficult question to answer because I'm very cynical when it comes to
1: movies. Um. Yeah, I mean,
0: I don't know of any movie that really portrays what the Bible actually says accurately. Like, I mean, 100% accurately. Every movie that I've watched has got things that really let me down in the sense of, like, you know, I don't know what to say what my favorite movie is. I mean, there are, you know give credit where credit's due. I mean, there are movies out there that I know a lot of work and a lot of money has been you know, put into the movies and a lot of effort and all that kind of thing, a lot of hard work. Um, so I respect that. The problem with movies is it really puts an image into your mind. It, in, it really, because of the inaccuracies in, in movies, it makes it's it's kind of misleading almost every movie that i know of i don't know of any movie that's not actually misleading at least in a, in a, in a, in a way so
1: yeah i don't know what else to say i don't know what to say about that you know
0: i would say like one of the better movies one of the better ones certainly not Certainly not perfect. If I did it, I wouldn't do it the way it was done. But let's say, for example, The the Passion of the Christ, for example. Um, If I was Mel Gibson, I wouldn't do it the way he did it. There were a lot of good things about it. Then there was a lot of things that's not accurate either. I think the real life thing was a lot more horrific than what was portrayed in that movie. I think that the resurrection scene was very, very um, disappointing. I think, that I mean, it's just completely uh took the punch out of it completely um yeah, so i don't know i don't know what to say about that uh i don't really watch i don't i i don't remember the last time i actually sat down it might have been several years ago. i sat down and watched a movie like that several years ago so yeah all right so let's let's read Leviticus chapter twenty one Leviticus chapter twenty one verse one. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say unto them, There shall none be defiled for the dead among his people, but for his kin that is near unto him, that is, for his mother or his father, or for his father, or for his son, or for his daughter, or for his brother, and for his sister, a virgin that is nigh unto him, which has has had no husband, for her may he be defiled. But he shall not defile himself, being a chief man among his people to profane himself. They shall not make bald, they shall not make baldness upon their head, neither shall they shave off the corner of their beard, nor make any cuttings in their flesh. They shall be holy unto their God and not profane the name of their God. For the, for the offerings of the Lord made by fire and the bread of their God they do offer, therefore they shall be holy. They shall not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband, for he is holy unto his God. You shall sanctify him, therefore, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy unto you, for I am the Lord, which sanctify you, am holy. For I, the Lord, which sanctify you, am holy. And the daughter of any priest, if she profane herself by playing the whore, she profanes her father and shall be burnt with fire. And he that is the high priest among his brothers "...upon whose head the anointing oil was poured, and and that is consecrated to put on the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor rend his clothes. Neither shall he go in into any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or for his mother. Neither shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor, nor profane the sanctuary of his God." For the crown of the anointing oil of his God is upon him, I am the Lord. And he shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or a divorced woman or profane or a harlot, these shall he not take, but he that but he shall take a virgin of his own people to wife. Neither shall he profane his seed among his people, for I am for I the Lord do sanctify him. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of your seed in their generations that has any blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that has a blemish, he shall not approach, a blind man or a lame, or he that has a flat nose, or anything Super, superfluous, or a man that is broken heart broken footed, or broken handed, or crook backed, or a dwarf, or that has a blemish in his eye, or be or be scurvy, or scabbed, or has his stones broken. No man that has a blemish of the seed of Aaron the priest shall come near to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He has a blemish. He shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. Only he shall not go in unto unto the veil, nor come near unto the altar, because he has a blemish that he pro. Fain not my saints, for I, the Lord, do sanctify them. And Moses told it unto Aaron, and to his sons, and unto all the children of Israel. Leviticus chapter 22. Restrictions against the unclean. Okay, guys, we're going to do that one tomorrow. Restrictions against the unclean. Awesome. So... It was a uh, very, very interesting, lots of stuff we covered, lots of stuff we covered tonight. So yeah, once again, guys, thank you for joining me. Thank you for your fellowship. Thank you for your comments and your questions. Uh, I appreciate all you guys. You guys are awesome. You You guys are world changers. So keep your eyes on the goal. Run the race diligently. Be steadfast, be strong, be courageous in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. So tomorrow, Lord willing, we will be back same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll continue with Leviticus chapter 22. And by the way, do you guys know, do you guys know that in Jewish, in, in Jewish circles, in Jewish schools, for children, uh, the first thing they teach Jewish children, you know, is the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus is the first book of the uh, of the Torah that they learn. Isn't that interesting? The book of Leviticus. Yes, so we are going through that. Caballero says, thank you, Christopher. I didn't comment, but I sure was listening. Awesome. You're welcome. Be blessed. Okay. Vinny says, thank you, Thank you, Christopher. God bless you all. Shalom. God bless you as well. Thomas says, "What should one do if the congregation they worship with is practicing ram- rampant immodesty, uh, when not even when not even the congregation leader will speak up? Get out. Get out." I know there's a lot of people that you you think, you know, if I, you know, I'll be the one that, that, that is the good influence. A lot of people do that. And I, I'm pretty sure I probably was back in the day as well, but you know what? The truth of the matter is, it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work. Uh, with maybe rare, rare exception, but you know, it, just get, I would just say, you know, just get out. Just get out. That's the best. That's the best thing to do. Thomas going nowhere says, thank you for answering my questions. As always, Christopher, I appreciate it more than, you know, uh, maybe you, you've noticed by now, but I can ask questions like there's no tomorrow. Uh, thanks for tolerating that. No, uh, my pleasure. Thank you for asking those questions. I appreciate you. Yeah, you're welcome. No problem. Okay, guys, I'll see you guys tomorrow. As always, I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, lift up his
1: countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.